Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. If it get hot, I'm just going to pour this over my head. <laughs> so I'd like to welcome the CD program, the DVD program, and the uh, YouTube channel, and the uh, website to services here in Rocky Mount. Um, that's the reason, I, well, let me just back up here. Last week we had, let's see, what did we have? We had a tree fall on the church building, and the roof was, all, it already needed a new roof. I mean, this, this roof is terrible. You'll see the spots where rain is coming in. So then a tree fell on it, and then our air conditioner uh, froze up, and uh, the heat pump, whatever, and quit working. So that's the reason I'm not wearing a jacket, by the way. There are some people that think, you know, would say, you're not supposed to get up here and preach unless you're wearing a jacket and a necktie. Yeah, believe it or not. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one better than that. One year at the feast, a guy said, you know you're not supposed to be wearing that necktie, don't you? And I, I looked at it, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, it, it, according to history, it represents like a male phallic symbol. I said, it does. <laughs> And, you know, have you ever noticed with religious people, it's hard to please everybody? It really is. I mean, you will drive yourself nutty trying to appease everybody's emotions, everybody's feelings, not to hurt anybody's feelings, not to drive them away or whatever. It will drive you crazy. I was talking to our, my, our daughter about that, and I said, I said, I'm driving myself crazy. I'm taking myself too seriously. And, and of course, Rebecca, it's not because she's just our daughter, but she is a smart cookie. <laughs> About age, what was it, eight? She told my mother, she, she said, I'm a smart cookie. <laughs> she is a smart cookie. And she said, she said, Daddy, said, I hate to say this, but most people don't give a rip what you've got to say. They're not listening. They don't care. It doesn't matter. You're taking yourself too seriously. And I have found that if you can apply that to your life, your life will work a lot better. You'll be less harder on yourself. If you just understand, most people don't care about your opinion, your view, the way you look at things, and all the things, you know, that they just don't care. Okay. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> All right. I had a friend. Well, he's still a friend. We're still friends. We just don't see each other that much. But as a teenager, um, he liked watching weird stuff on TV and, uh, and in movies. And uh, he told me one time, he said, have you watched that movie, The Many Faces of Death? And I thought, well, I, I really don't want to see that movie. The many, I'm not into gore or, or any type of um, horror movie because I'll watch it for the next 20 years if I watch that. If I watch one horror movie, I will watch it for the next 20 years. I can't get it out of my head. It, it, it's, it's, uh, I can't let things go. But, you know, Many Faces of Death, it did, you know, look like it, it was Many Faces of Death. It would show, you know, a person being electrocuted, in death sentence, whatever. So anyway, I, but it, it got me thinking about the title for this sermon. 
And the title of this sermon is The Many Faces of Sin. The Many Faces of Sin. Often we paint sin with a broad brush stroke, brush stroke of you know, the same color. And we say, well, it's all the same. It's, it's, you know, and we look at sin as black and white. You know, black is bad, white is good. Of course, that depends on the color of your skin. You might want to reverse that. You know, black is good, you know, white is bad, or whatever. But, uh, and, we, and we view sin th that with the same in depravity and intensity. And I disagree with that. I disagree with that. James 2 and verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. I understand that from God's perspective, that, you know, God views sin as sin. If you break a God, God's law, you, you know, you're guilty. I understand what God is saying. But not all sin, sins are the same when it comes to their depravity. For example, the sin of pedophilia would be greater in depravity for me than the sin of someone stealing something from me. If someone stole something from me, I would just say, well, at least I get to go out and buy a new one. <laughs> and, uh, but the other would be much worse in depravity. And for those of us who watch the movie, The Sound of Freedom, you know, just what a rotten thing, you know, human trafficking and all that. What a rotten thing that is. Uh, not all sins are the same in their intensity. Okay? And that's what I want to talk about today. That the many faces of sin, that they're not all the same in their intensity, and they're not all the same in their depravity. With the many faces of sin, I want to look at six. Now there are many more, by the way. I couldn't get that magical number seven, by the way. You know, that's, people, you know when you get a sermon, you've got to have seven points. Because seven, that's perfection, you know, whatever. I could only come up with six, but there are many more. Number one, the sin of ignorance. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's, a, there's an offering made for the sin of ignorance. And I, I sometimes think we have a tendency to, to say... Well, the sin of ignorance is less offensive. It's not as bad because you're, you're ignorant, you know. And I think of our society maybe breaking the Sabbath, you know, that, 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 sun, you know, that a one-hour worship service uh, on, on, on uh, the first day of the week is not, that's not Sabbath keeping, okay? It, it doesn't, not, not, not that God gets upset. My personal conviction is God does not get upset at a one-hour worship service on any day of the week. He's not up there in heaven just saying, ah, you just oh, worship, and there's nothing wrong. Hey, let's get together, let's have a worship service. God's not upset at that, but, but Sabbath keeping is something different. And I think a lot of people today are still Okay, ignorant of, of the Sabbath command and what the Bible says. Okay, so that might be one example. It's tempting to say the sin of ignorance is somehow a lesser sin because what you don't know, you don't know that you don't know it. But let's consider a verse here in Acts 3 and verse 14 concerning our Savior. 
Acts 3 and verse 14. But you denied the holy and just one and desired a murderer to be given to you. And you killed the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong. This one whom you see and know his name made firm and the faith which came through him has given him this perfect soundness before you. Now notice verse 17. And now brothers, I know that you did it through ignorance as also your rulers did. Yeah, it was done out of, out of ignorance. The people that were there when they crucified Christ who participated, the rulers, yeah, they did it out of ignorance. But just, but just because a person is ignorant of the sin doesn't make the consequences any less. Okay. Terrible atrocities have been committed out of ignorance of sin. Hitler, Nazi Germany, the death camps. Was Hitler ignorant? Well, yeah, I think it went almost beyond ignorant, but, but it went maybe in the area of diabolical. Um, he wanted to create a superior race of people. He even thought about, you know, somehow establishing like the, a kingdom on this earth. You know, the perfect species of people, blonde haired, blue eyes. You know, let's, 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 if we could just get perfect people, we might have a better society. But he was evil and he was ignorant. I think of the example of Christ. You know, he heals, he heals a man on the Sabbath day. Now, now healing is a wonderful thing. And then it says, after that, they took counsel of how they might kill him. <laughs> you know, that's, that's ignorance right there. They wanted to kill him. So the sin of ignorance is, is just the fact that you yourself didn't know or didn't want to know what you were doing was a sin. I think it's safe to say that some of the worst sins that have been committed have been sins out of ignorance. Not knowing from, in other words, not knowing from a knowledge base what sin is. Because at least if you know what sin is, you may or may not have a conviction in that area. And you might say, okay, I, I better not do that because I have a conviction or somewhat of a conviction and I, I should stay away from that. Uh, so knowing this, that some of the worst sins have been committed out of ignorance, knowing this, what do you think Satan's objective would be? Well, to keep people ignorant of what sin is, obviously, because there's more havoc, uh, there's more destruction, there's more evil that can be committed. Persecution will happen to God's people because of ignorance, okay? The Sabbath day will play a major role in that persecution. I can guarantee you that. Those who kill you will think they're doing God service. What's my point? What's my point? Well, our, my point is this, to bring as many people as possible out of their ignorance while there is still daylight. Because the time is coming 
when it's dark and you're not going to be able to do a thing about these issues. So, you know, that's a motive there. The greater the ignorance, the greater the atrocities and evil that will occur. So let's all get involved in, you know, to our, to, by God's grace, by God's ability in our lives, working in our lives to help bring people to the knowledge of God's truth. Second one. And this one, you know, is um, probably going to offend some people. Christians shouldn't say that. It's the sin of stupidity. <laughs> sin of ignorance you just didn't know any better at the time and once you were aware of the sin of ignorance you could repent and change and turn your direction around there is in our society what I call passive Christianity passive Christianity you know if I can just live my you know some people's idea of a Christian is if I can just live the rest of my Christian life out and I don't offend anyone and I don't hurt anybody's feeling and I just make them feel comfortable and I just make them feel good then I will have been successful as a Christian if I can do that it's what I call passive Christianity and it probably dominates about 80 to 90 percent of Christianity if we can just do that, we can just be nice and not hurt one another. Oh, it dominates our society right now. But you know, if you're dealing with a person who has the sin of stupidity, and you encourage him, and you lift him up, and you say, wow, you're such a good person, you're, such, you're really a smart person, don't mean to offend you, but I like you. You're lying to the person. You're lying to the person. Okay? I have a, my mother-in-law, dear woman. You know, at the dinner table, we're sitting around, be about 12 people, and, you know, something, someone will comment about something happened in the news or something someone did, and she'll say, that's stupid. <laughs> She's always been like that. It just, that's, that's just downright stupid. Yeah, it doesn't bother her a bit. It may bother other people, but it is the truth. What's she saying? And I like that. She will speak her mind. Then answered one of Now this was Christ's encounter with the Pharisees. I mean, he was really beaten up on them. And some people overheard him. And they said, you know, then answered one of the lawyers, you said, and said unto him, Master, thus saying, you reproach us also. And Jesus started weeping and just crying and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. I offended you. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I know you're going to go home and tell your family about what I said. And, and it's just, I'm just, please, you know, forgive me for what I said. Luke 11 and verse 46. And he said, Woe unto you lawyers also. For you lay men with burden grievous to be born and you yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers the reference to that was uh, Luke 11, 11 verse 45 so the sin of stupidity Let, let's get a Bible reference to that can it be such a thing you don't have to turn there Psalms 14 verse 1 the fool has said in his heart there is no God you know what that word fool means it means stupid 
So if you're dealing with an atheist or someone that says, I don't believe in God, you'd be justified. You know, you're not supposed to call them a fool, okay? But you, you'd be justified and say, you know, I think you're stupid. <laughs> and you could quote this verse right here. <laughs> Proverbs 14, verse 1. The fool has said, the stupid has said in their heart, there is no God. The sin of stupidity, you know better, but refuse to repent. I think, and I don't mean to get all political here, but I think the New Green Deal sort of fits in that category of abject stupidity. I was driving down the road, and there's a billboard sign that some buffoon paid for. I'm going to take a picture of it and post it on my Facebook page, and I'm going to make some nasty comments about that one. It says this. Save the planet. Reuse your spork. You know what a spork is? It's a plastic spoon with teeth on it. I'm going to save the planet by reusing my spork. Now that's, you know, I don't have words to describe it. Or if I do, it's going to get ugly. It's going to involve some cursing in it, maybe. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about saving the planet. Before I do, let me, let me just ask a question. Because I don't want to step on people's toes. Well, maybe I do. How many of you got an electric car? Good. <laughs> now, I admire an electric car. I mean, who was it? The, the, the Tesla. What's his name? Yeah. I mean, the guy's a brilliant man. Nothing wrong with an electric car. But the idea that we all need to have them is on the verge of stupidity. Okay? Um, I have a Hemi out there. It's that purple car, by the way. Dodge Charger. What, and if I, I'll let you take it down the road if you like. Once you drive it, the thought of saving the planet <laughs> or going electric will never enter your mind again. Never. You know, I've, I've had a lot of nice cars. I've had Corvette, Trans Am, uh, a lot of nice cars. And, and, and uh, you know, most every car I've ever owned always had a lag point at some speed. Be it 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, or 100. There, you know, you push down the throttle and it's like, well, it's not going anywhere. And it's just a little bit, a little bit of a whoa, and then you finally, you know, gets up to speed. This car, there's no lag time. I don't care if you're going 100 miles an hour and want to get it on up to 120. There's no lag time. I mean, it, it, it is awesome. And I love it. <laughs> you know, I was looking up some stuff, and it, none of this, they can't give you a straight answer about any of this stuff. I typed in, how long does it take to charge an electric car? And there are no straight answers. They'll say, well, it takes 30 minutes. Take eight hours or it takes 12 hours. Now, 30 minutes, now I know a little bit about batteries. 30 minutes might get you three miles down the road. Uh, but I don't think it's going to last very long, uh, 30 minutes. But, but you ever thought about what it would, the world would really be like? I mean, 
Imagine a NASCAR race with electric cars. <laughs> It'd be quiet, but I like the noise. Imagine a Harley Davidson electric. I mean, that thumping is what I love, the sound of it. It's awesome. That's the reason you buy those things. You don't buy them for any other reason, but the sound. I mean, that's the reason you buy a Harley Davidson. <laughs> but a NASCAR race, you know, to go into the pit stops, we got to take eight hours to charge our batteries. I mean, the guy could, could eat his lunch. He could go home and tend to families. I mean, he could, he, could go to, he could take a nap. And you'd have to tell your boss, you know, boss, I'm going to the NASCAR race, but it's not one day. It's all week long because, I mean, we've got these pit stops that take eight hours to charge their cars. It's, it's, you know, it's really, it, it's silly when you think about it almost. And so I, I kept, okay, ha, then I thought, okay, how many charging stations are there? Well, how many have you seen? I travel all the time in, in the work that I do, and I, I'm, I got a truck that gets 11 miles to the gallon, so I'm always at the gas station putting fuel in that thing. And I've never seen a charging station. I think I did see one, and nobody was using it. But how many are there? I mean, you do have to have charging stations to charge your electric car. Uh, and, you know, the power grid, if everybody had a charger at home, the power grid probably could not withstand that because, I mean, we work on million-dollar homes at the lake, and they'll, they'll have five heat pumps running at the same time. The, the power grid barely can take that, much less, you know, you know another. Okay, how far can you go on an electric car? Again, I, there's no definite answers. It, it's up, you know, it's, it's deliberately, uh, what I could come up with was 100 miles. Um, imagine going here to California. You would have to plan that trip out, you know. Uh, what does the battery cost for an electric car? Well, okay, about 12 to 15,000. Uh, which one costs less to, to operate, gas or electric? My answer is who cares? <laughs> the only thing I'm concerned about is filling that thing up with fossil fuel and being able to drive 500 more miles without stopping. That's what I'm concerned about. Okay, that's what I like. Uh, recycling. Okay, my wife is into a little bit of this. It, 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 I get angry at her. Just kidding. Uh, we recycle cans, you know. And I told her, I said, you know, you know I, I said, Teresa, one day God's going to recycle the whole earth. When the earth melts with fervent heat, he's going to recycle the whole shebang, you know. And uh, all the blood that's crying out, the blood, think about all the wars, Nazi Germany, the Civil War, the 50 million abortions, all the blood that's crying out from the ground and God's just going to recycle the whole thing. I mean, it's not fit. And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to recycle this one when the earth melts with fervent heat. Yes. The success or fall of a nation depends on its morality. And it seems like People that engage in the sin of stupidity, hasn't, they haven't figured this one out yet. Save the planet. Reuse your spork. I typed in cow. Okay, this is a sermon. Cows passing gas. 
First thing that popped up. First thing that popped up. Five good reasons you should care about cow farts and cow burps. Now, it's not the passing gas that's causing the problem anymore. It's the burps. Yeah, the methane, or what, what, I forget what it is, but that's, it's a burp now. And listen, let me give you some advice. When it sounds stupid, it's because it is. Okay. It's almost as if there is somebody out there, an organization, a structure, a, I would say a think tank, but that word think wouldn't fit the tank. Uh, it's just a tank of people. Okay, who are going around thinking, what's the stupidest thing we can come up with and see if the American people will buy it and go along with it? And amazingly, a lot of them do. Amazingly. You ever thought about going up to a farmer about 70 years ago, you know, he's got about 4,000 head of cattle. And he's maybe got his cowboy hat on, he's chewing on tobacco and maybe smoking a cigarette, maybe doing both at the same time. <laughs> and some nerdy little guy comes up to him and says, you know, I, I need to give you five good reasons you should care about cow farts and cow burps. What do you think that farmer would say? What do you think that farmer would do? You know, he would bunt kick that guy off to the edge of the universe with his foot. We're not tolerating this. We're not tolerating that. And I wonder why, as Christians, do we hear this stuff and not speak up when it is that blatantly stupid? Just right before, in your face. And, and with the, the passive Christian, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. The sin, the sin of stupidity, you know better but refuse to repent. You refuse to accept the facts right before you, for your eyes. And the fact is, this will not work, and they know it won't work. Al Gore has made millions of dollars off of the theory, the propaganda of climate change. It's a cash cow for special interest group. Back in the 60s, Time Magazine had an article entitled, The Coming Ice Age. In 20 years, we were all going to freeze to death. Hell was going to freeze over. And that might be a good thing, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the coming ice age. But they, could, they, they couldn't propagandize it, and they couldn't make money off of it back then. Now they can. Okay? Now they can. And by the way, I've never seen an offering made in the Old Testament for the sin of stupidity. I just haven't found it yet. The sin of ignorance, you just didn't know any better. At the time, once you were aware of the sin of ignorance, you could repent. There's a little difference between the two. Okay. I hate to go off on a rant about that, but I just... Okay, the third one. The many faces of sin. The common sin. The common sin. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also will make a way to escape that you may able, might be able to bear it. Now to me, common sins are, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of what we all struggle with. It's the lust of the flesh. It, it can be greed, envy, vanity, 
indulgence, gluttony, you know, well, that could be indulgence. Uh, to lie, we often lie to protect our ego. That's the reason we lie, to protect our, I didn't want to look bad, so I told a little white lie, you know. Uh, you are aware that it is a sin because it's so common. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, be, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the same afflictions, people are going through the same thing. They're going through the same common sins. And what is the promise? The promise is God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will make a way to escape. You know it's wrong. God makes a way to escape the common sin. But are there uncommon sins, uncommon temptations with greater intensity? Fourth one. That's just a question, by the way. Fourth one. Defining moments sins. Defining moments are, they are defining moments, and often they occur very early in our lives. Something happens. Maybe you were exposed to pornography at age 8, 12, whatever. And they create inside of you a defining moment. It's not good, by the way. It's not good. Uh, anger. Maybe you were you know, had rageaholic parents and, or a parent that was not there, didn't show up. Uh, rejection can be a defining moment. I think I've told you that story. Uh, I'm sure I've told you that story where I, a, a little event happened with my father and I interpreted it as rejection. But I want to tell you, it was a defining moment for me. Um, because it views how we interpret and how we view our father. God. Defining moments. Defining moments, sins, can develop a stronghold in our lives. Okay? That's the issue. Defining moments, sins, can, over time, because they occur at such an early age, develop, you know, a stronghold in our lives. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. So even a stronghold can be overcome by God's help and grace. But they may be greater in, in intensity and maybe greater in their depravity. Those issues that we, the many faces of sin. Fifth, the sin of confusion. Many faces of sin, the sin of confusion. All right, for God is not, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of, but of peace, as in all churches of, of the saints. Now, if God is not the author of confusion, who is the author of confusion? Obviously, yeah, the devil, okay? 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So am I telling you I shouldn't have any confusion in my life? No, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm saying 
identify the source where it's coming from identify the source because a lot of times you know we go around I'm confused I don't understand I don't get this God why why am I going through this and often instead of looking at the source guess what we do we blame God for the confusion that we're going through we get angry at God we get mad at God easy to easy to do I want to look at a, a psalm that I think is so powerful when you're going through hard times. Psalm 77 and verse 1. Psalm 77 and verse 1. And this is a psalm of confusion. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Psalm 77 and verse 3 and 4. Verse 4. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. You ever been there? I'm too distressed. I don't even know what to say to God. I try to think of something to say to God, and I can't even think of it. I don't know what to say. I'm too distressed to pray. I think of the good old days. Now that I do. <laughs> Long since ended, he says. Yeah, it's easy to do that. You know, think, yeah, my good old days. I don't know why in the, I don't know why they call getting old the golden years. There's nothing golden about it. <laughs> Maybe one day someone will prove me wrong. When my nights were filled with joyful song, and this is what he's reminiscing about, I searched my soul and pondered the differences now. The difference between the way it used to be and the way it is now. Okay? Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recalled all you have done. O oh Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Now the point I want to make about the sin of confusion is that the state of confusion can lead, can lead to hopelessness. Okay? The state of confusion, being in it, can lead to hopelessness. You know the story of Job. We're not going to read that. We know the encounter, hindsight 2020, we can read about it. Have you considered my servant Job? There's not a man like him. It's a conversation between God and Satan. Job knew nothing of this. He knew nothing of that conversation. All Job knows is one day he's in a tunnel. And behind him is pitch blackness. In front of him is pitch blackness. And there is no light. 
No lie. He even says later, you know, in the book of Job, he says, look, I, I don't even know what to confess. If I knew what my sins were, I would confess and maybe things would get better. But I don't even know what to confess. Job is depressed. He is confused. And it came upon him like a whirlwind. One day, life is good. You can get a shirt that says that. Life is good. The next day, his life was a hell on earth. Just like that. Just like that. And Job's problem, well, we call it a problem, but Job, I mean, here it is. You may, you may want to remember this scripture. Job 7 and verse 6. It's a great scripture to remember when you get down and out. Job 7 and verse 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's a shuttle and are spent without hope. He's in the middle of a trial. Difficult situation. All hope can seem lost. Why am I here? Why am I having to face this? Job's friends... I mean, thank goodness we don't have a lot of friends like Job did, but they weren't much help at all. Job's wife? Ah. Even less. Even less. <laughs> she said, curse God and die. <laughs> that was her advice. Just get it over with, Job. You're halfway there already. You might as well just curse God and die. And to summarize Job's life, is this. He says, I'm spending my time without hope. That's how I'm living my life, without hope. What can discourage you, stop you, make you bitter, turn you away from God? It's when you can't find any hope. What can make you lazy, skeptical, apathy, uncaring? when you can't find any hope. What can send you down the path of backsliding, criticism, inactivity, lack of motivation? It's when you can't find any hope. What is the answer? Well, the answer is in Psalm 27 and verse 13. Psalms 27 and verse 13. I had fainted fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There is a light at the end of your tunnel. We know the scripture. All things work together for good to them that love God. Let me tell you something. That, that does not mean God looks at everything good about you and takes all those good things and uses them. That means God takes your whole life, everything, your hopelessness, your depression, your confusion, everything that you've been through. He takes your whole life and uses it towards good, toward his glory. It's not just the good things about you. Don't ever forget that. Daniel Botha, 
a man, uh, I think he's living in Australia. He's, he's uh, done outreach in Africa. He had a great article, Stopping Wrong Thoughts. I want to quote a, a bit of it. I will never forget when I was in Mill Park Hospital. I had just had open heart surgery and quadruple bi heart bypass. That evening I vomited and the vomit went down my windpipes choking me. Two nurses worked for two hours to save my life. I survived. The next morning the African nurse came to my bed checking me and all the instruments I was hooked up to. She squeezed my arm and said in Zulu, your work is not finished. She left the room. I said, thank you, God. There was no way she would have known that I was fluent in Zulu and understood what she was saying. My work is not finished. Now, I don't care how, how small or great your work may be. I want you to look at the man and the woman or, or, or woman in the mirror and say to yourself, my work is not finished. If you're breathing, your work is not finished. Okay, the last one, number six. The diabolical sin. Uh, First Chronicles 21 verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now we got a powerful being here. His name is Satan. We have a subject, an instrument that he's going to work through. His name is David. 1 Corinthians 21 and verse 2. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, 1 Corinthians 21 and verse 2, Go number Israel from Bathsheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord makes his people and a hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servant? Why then do you, does my lord require this thing? Why will, he be, be, why will he be cause of trespass to Israel? Joab says, look, why are you doing this, David? It's not good. You know, here, here's his advisor. David, what you're doing is not a good thing. I would not recommend this. Numbering Israel. Don't do it. Verse 4, nevertheless, the king would, words prevailed, uh, the king's words prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Verse 7, dropping on down to verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the, uh, with the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Again, consider this. This is what I call the diabolical sin, you know, when it's a deliberate attack. His advisors, Joab, says, don't do it. And it's interesting, it's only after the fact, after he fell flat on his face, that he realized where the attack came from. Now, I know we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I agree with that. 
I know we can say, well, Christ resisted all sin. I mean, he was tempted in all areas without sin. Problem is, we're not Christ. <laughs> and I think when the diabolical sin is, is sometimes in our lives we ask, where did that come from? That came totally out of the blue. And it's not until after the fact, after you have fallen, that you realize that came directly from the pit of hell. Now what's the answer to all these issues, the six phases of sin? Well, the answer is simple. The grace of God. Forgiveness. That's the answer. So I want to conclude with a little issue about having gone through the many the faces of sin. I hope it's given you a better understanding of yourself and other people you deal with. Because Jesus said this. Very hard thing to do, by the way. We're going to read it. Matthew 6 and verse 14 to conclude with. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. You know, it's not an easy thing to do to forgive people that have wronged you. It's not an easy thing to do. And it depends on the depravity of what they have done to you. The intensity of what they have done. But I hope that in going through this, the sin of ignorance, the sin of stupidity, the common sin, defining moment sins, the sin of confusion that sometimes leads to hopelessness and you can't even communicate with this person because they're just, they're out there. And the diabolical sin. And God forbid that we could be manipulated or exposed to all six to different degrees at the same time but it could happen I guess but when we have to forgive maybe it will help us to understand that there are many faces of sin with greater depravity and intensity that people can struggle with maybe it will help us in that area so for more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.